day 278. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name's John. I'm Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to look through it and see God. We don't come to it primarily to look at it and see ourselves. All right. First Corinthians uh, chapter 13 through the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. First Corinthians 13. So first Corinthians 13 <clears throat> comes on the scene where Paul is talking about this worship gathering and right. he interrupts this talk of spiritual gifts. I love to it. Say, Yo, like what's most important mm. is love. Yeah. Right. Like y'all are, are seeking these deep spiritual experiences, but more important than any of that, fam, is love. Right. right? Like, and he starts off and he's like, yo, man, like I can have all prophecy, tongues, knowledge, but without love, I'm like nothing. Right. right. He's like, even if I give all my possession, if I take and sell everything I got, but I don't really love people, mm. it's still meaningless. Right. And then he goes on famous yeah, passage to exposit love. Usually this is read at like weddings, weddings. and stuff like right. that. But Paul is really talking about like, yeah, like in context, he's talking about how believers are to wait, relate to one another um, as, as it regards to the worship gathering. And uh, yeah, like I love the list, bro, because it's a ton of ordinary things, right? right. Like you don't have to be super yeah. uh, smart, uh, super spiritual or anything like that. These are things that we all can achieve. Um, and this list convicts me every time I read it. Yeah. It's funny that this is a list that's reserved for weddings we only <laughs> hear it read in the most um in the context of the most intimate yeah. relationship on earth but when mm -hmm. paul writes it he's writing it for the most regular re relationships that you have right so paul mm -hmm. um although this does apply to you and your spouse or you and your future sure, yeah. boo and the person that you hope for Paul is actually writing this for the person that you sit next to on Sunday morning at church that mm. you might not even know their name. Paul's saying mm. this chapter should characterize how you interact with them. And that changes the stakes of, of it a bit, right? That mm. this isn't something that's just reserved for our boot or the person that we want to commit our lives to. This is something mm. that is reserved to the person that occupies the seat next to us that we have no choice in the matter of, um, yeah, the relationship, the commitment that we show to them. And that just shows how high Paul views the relationship and the connection between Christians. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny, man, like the subtle things, right, can be lovelessness, right? right. So he talks about not being rude, mm. right? Not being irritable, right? right? Like just little subtle things that we all kind of all pray to um, can be a, 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 a demonstration of lovelessness. So Paul goes in there and, you know, it's funny because he goes in 14 to talk about prophecy in tongues. Uh. And uh, yeah, like he goes on this long uh, discourse to say, you know, what prophecy is for and tongues is for ultimately like, yo, he's like, man, it's for building up the church. Right. Right. It's not for show. It's not for to say I'm more spiritual than another person. Everything is everything in regards to our gathering is so that the body together can all be built up. Right. What's interesting though, bro, is like the Holy spirit has been like the thread that need that, that uh, kind of is laced through all these chapters. Yeah. And 
the thing he's going to say is like, yo, everything must be done decently and in order. Right. We remember that the Holy Spirit at the beginning of creation, right? Yeah. The whole entire universe was right. that of chaos. Yeah. But we have the spirit hovering over the waters yeah. to bring order out of chaos. Ah. Paul is saying that same spirit that lives in you guys is the is the very person who brings the order in this gathering. This is good. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is for all my spirit filled folks out there too, right? So <laughs> Yeah, yep. I don't care if you don't think there is a such thing as tongues. I don't yeah. care if you think that tongues are uh, known languages or unknown mm -hmm. ones. But in 1 Corinthians 14, I think what Paul's trying to say is, no, look, this is the order. Paul's like, yeah, do whatever kind of tongues you want to in the privacy of your own space, right? And so Paul's right. going to say, yo, I speak in tongues more than all y'all. But he's like, when we do gather Let's speak in such a way where I think the point that he's trying to get at where uh, eavesdroppers feel welcome mm. and they can join in. Right. So Paul's yep. going to say, like, no, 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 no. We want to speak in such a way where somebody mm. walks in, they overhear the way that we talk to God and they're drawn up in it. And what he's going to use is this uh, reference from Isaiah 28 that's about judgment right where back when god wanted israel to know that they were going to be judged he said i was going to send in folks with these unknown tongues right that this sign mm. of them not being able to understand what goes on showed yeah. that yeah. them god is displeased with you and so paul's right. whole point is like yo listen if somebody that doesn't know god walks up into y'all's midst and y'all are all flexing speaking in tongues they're going to assume, dag, this God must not want any part from me. He couldn't even take the time to speak to me in my own language. And so Paul's like, there, y'all do all this stuff for show. And it's actually giving off the wrong picture of God. So we want to talk and worship and pray and sing and speak in ways where eavesdroppers feel welcome to worship. Absolutely. Yep. And then finally, man, 15 mm. is this long exposition on the resurrection. So you had, and in Corinth, bro, you had uh, those who were in the church, supposedly, who were doubting the resurrection, right? Who were denying it, who were saying like, not just doubting like, man, I'm struggling to believe it, but like, no, 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 like denying that there actually was a resurrection, a physical body, bodily resurrection. Yeah. And Paul is like, hold on, fam, fam, like, let me, let me start from, let me start from numero uno, like, yo, the gospel, like I proclaim to you the gospel, which is Christ died according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised according to the scriptures. I love right. that because Paul is saying like, again, this has been in the text the entire time. Right. Right. Um, now, and he's going to be like, yo, like to be even more frank, we saw him. Right. And he appeared to Cephas, the 12, and then to me. Right. Like, and then 500 folks. Yeah. And I love it because, you know, Christ died by crucifixion, as, as we've said a ton of times before, like. Fleming Rutledge in her book, uh, The Crucifixion of Jesus Christ, says that like, if Christ never raised from the dead, we would have never heard of him. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like we would have never heard of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Who is that? Yeah. But he rose and he did. And he's like, yo, if if he didn't raise, like I'm wasting my time. We're still in our sins. Right. right? Like we are wasting our lives. And then he goes on to say like, man, he's the first fruits. Yeah. So in other words, 
you know, in the Old Testament, this idea of the first fruits was where the Israel would take the, the first of their crops or their flocks um, that were given to them and they would offer them back to God. Yeah. Right. And so this was an, a recognition of, of thanksgiving uh, to God for what he had provided for them. Right. Now, that first fruit that they offered to God right. was still a part of the entire harvest right. that they had from God. So what Paul is saying here, he's like, yo. For, Christ, for to say Christ is the first fruits means that his resurrection and our resurrection are one. Right. Right? Yeah. So theologians have even gone so far as to say like, yo, people don't understand how intertwined the two resurrections are, ours right. and his, to the point that it's literally one event in two episodes. Right, yeah. Like they are that intertwined. So in other words, fam, like to doubt that is to just throw away your future hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus rose from the dead, and it's like, that's not the end of the play. That's the mm -hmm. end of Act One. We're yes. in the intermission right now, yes. and it's saying, yo, he's going to come back, and there's going to be an Act Two. And mm -hmm. Paul's whole point is like this. No, no, look. Our religion is based off this event, the resurrection, mm -hmm. right? Christianity is not just based off... Um, an ideology, mm -hmm. good teachings, mm -hmm. morals. It's yes. based off of this event that God came into the world as a man, died for our sins, mm -hmm. rose for our justification, mm -hmm. and has yes. promised all of us that the destiny that he has is the same one that awaits us. And so mm -hmm. it changes how we live fundamentally, right? We live mm -hmm. different, not just than we don't just live differently than anybody else that lives right now. We live differently than anybody else that has ever lived prior to us that yeah. has not put their faith in Christ because we recognize this life is not all that there is. There is going to be a bodily, physical resurrection where we will know this life how it's truly meant to be. And that hope is something that sustains us, right? It's out of that hope that we gain the motivation to be able to give away all that we have now because we know that all that we have now is not all that there is. Like we're living as if there's something greater than this life that we have uh, right now. And that puts us at a place where at the end of 15, Paul's gonna say, look, and you know that your labor for the Lord's not in vain, right? It's because of this future hope that we can fully invest and work uh, right here, right now for God's glory. Yep, absolutely. And man, the goodness of our work, bro, for God's glory is, yeah, realizing that our physical lives matter, right? Yeah. Like this world, God, listen, the resurrection is God's stamp of approval that right. creation is good, right. right? And he means to restore it. Right. Yeah. And so for us, man, this is not just about going tucked away in our prayer closet and just praying in tongues all the time, but right. really living full, unadulterated lives that testify to the kingdom of God breaking in uh, to this present age. And Christ's resurrection and our resurrection are the impetus behind the work we do now. Amen. Let's yeah. pray. Yeah. Our Father, we thank you uh, that. You haven't left us here without hope that the resurrection fills us with hope uh, for how we are to live our lives now. God, the resurrection fills us with hope for the loved ones that we've uh, lost that are in you, Father. The resurrection fills us with hope 
to endure the opposition that we know that we're going to face here as we do our best to represent you. God, I pray that you would help us not just to know about that hope in our head, but to live inside of that hope, Lord, with all that we do, with all that we say. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.